that was the worst intro I think I've done in the history of this podcast because Bart ruined my mojo. <laughs> oh. That's what I'm here to do. What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. And Kyle, did you know that the training you need to live your calling wherever God calls you is found right up the road from me at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary? That is what you can expect with a Master of Divinity. With a wide array of academic options, Southwestern Seminary offers MDiv studies with concentrations in educational ministry, women's studies, international church planting, and more. So whether you're called to student ministry, cross-cultural missions, pastoral ministry, chaplaincy, podcasting, maybe I made that one up, or anything else in between, a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Seminary will equip you to live your calling, and you can explore all of these options and more within the Southwestern Seminary, mdiv at swibbits.edu forward slash mdiv. Kyle Bierman, how are you doing? I do not care because today we have a Southwesterner on the podcast, Dr. Bart Barber. Southern Baptist royalty. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting to me to hear what you guys sound like in normal speed because I listened to your podcast at two times. Don't blame me. Only only because I can't make it be over faster than that. (laughs) Well, do we sound much better in professional it just takes it just takes longer (laughs) it's it's true the bard how are you doing i'm doing great guys thank you for inviting me on to the podcast it's great to spend some time with the nabp team yeah now now we've had you on before and in fact i mean we've had you on multiple times right but it's a little different this time you're still bart you're still bart barber but you got a new job since we last had you on the podcast in which I don't think you get paid a dime, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> so, All the work, uh, none of yes. the joy or the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, since, since we've had you on, uh, you were elected as president of the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, California, now uh, almost two weeks ago. Um, and so I, I, I've never served as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Matt hasn't either. You never um, will. Nope, neither one of us ever will. Um, I said that for a long time. (laughs) But I would just imagine like in in the last two weeks, there have been some changes and maybe some surprises in in your life. So what thus far, two weeks in uh, with 50 to go, what's been the biggest surprise so far of the Bart Barber SBC presidency? Uh, well, the, the first one was discovering that the nuclear football uh, launch codes were candy corn. Uh, that I, I thought it would be something more complicated than that. But uh, no, I'd, I'd really say, uh, if I'm going to shoot straight with you, the biggest surprise was that I had to name my worship leader while I was still at the annual meeting in Anaheim. And, you know, I got a call that said, Committee on Order of Business needs to know who your worship leader is going to be. And I said, like, now you need to know, which I mean, James Cheeseman was going to be the guy. Uh, but I had, I had not spoken to him about it because <laughs> I, I didn't want to do the, I tried not to do anything before Anaheim that was like, hey, 
in case I win this thing, or I, I think I'm going to win this, or if I'm going to win this, I try not to, not to jinx it or have kind of the presumptuousness of that about me. And so I, and so I didn't talk to anybody else. I mean, I, I made some plans of my own, but I didn't talk to anybody else. And uh, so I got this phone call uh, Tuesday night uh, in Anaheim after, you know, I mean, an hour maybe after the election results had come in saying, who's your worship leader going to be? And I was, I said, when do you, when do you need to know? And they said, within the next few hours, because the Committee on Order of Business has to present this tomorrow to be voted on. And the person who asked me about that said, aren't you the Baptist polity expert? Shouldn't you know this already? <laughs> uh, and what I, what I did not want to say is, we all always vote on that like at the very end. And I always just leave before you actually get to that <laughs> vote. <laughs> I've never actually been in the meeting at that time uh, as it was going up to the end. And so, because I'm always hungry uh, by the time we get to there. And um, so, so anyway, that was a surprise. That It was easy to, easy to solve that. I, I just called James Cheeseman and said, are you willing to do this? And he said, sure. And so, uh, so we moved forward with that. Um, I'd say, you know, the, the other surprise, which should not have surprised me, but, but has, um, is how many people have gone out of their way to say that they're praying for me. And uh, I assume that's just because Southern Baptists are a kind, gracious, supportive people. Uh, some of them have even been people who've said, hey, I voted for somebody else, but uh, I've been praying for you and I feel good about where you're going to lead us. And I just continue to pray for God to, to strengthen you and give you wisdom. Uh, and, you know, that, that's either because that's just who Southern Baptists are, faithful praying people, uh, or it's because they looked and said, this guy's really going to need prayer. Uh, <laughs> and so we better step up for him. But that's been a, that's been a great surprise. Yeah. Every day is going to have different challenges. But as of today, uh, what are one or two of the greatest challenges facing the Southern Baptist Convention uh, this very moment? Not counting podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and we could add that. That just is assumed. Okay. Podcast, right. social media. Let's just throw all of that into one. That's the greatest after that. So I'll tell you that um, I, I've spent this entire day in two different parts. The first part of today has been vacation Bible school because we have VBS going on here at FBC Farmersville. And, um, and then the second the, the way I've passed the entire remainder of the day, the other half of the day, I haven't even had lunch yet um, um, because I've been looking at the, the, the abuse response implementation task force. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's probably the, the, the biggest job that I have in front of me to, get, to begin with is appointing that task force. And I also think it's the greatest challenge that we face right now. Um, it's easy to walk out of Anaheim feeling really good about what we've done. Uh, but really what we walk out of Anaheim doing is feeling good about what we've said we will do. Cause we, we haven't actually done any of that yet. The database isn't standing up yet. Uh, you know, that, that work needs to be done. The task force is going to have the job of, of accomplishing that. Um, we're, uh, I mean, the hotline is up. Uh, but 
uh, that still needs to be, you know, run through its uh, readiness tests and, and, and to make sure that that's all working correctly. Uh, this task, task force has a lot of work to do. And, um, and, and all of the good feeling that we have coming out of Anaheim is based on the assumption that this task force successfully does everything that we put in place for the task force to do. So, um, so I think that's a, I don't say that that's a great challenge because I look and say, oh, I think this isn't going to succeed. I'm very optimistic about what we'll be able to do. I just say it's a great challenge because the level of importance attached to it is enormous. And um, so I invite everyone to pray for me as, uh, as I move toward trying to, uh, trying to make those appointments. And then I think the other great challenge that we face uh, in the SBC um, is um, the, the, the task of, of, the task of bringing together our convention. Uh, and I think there are a lot of ways that we were together in Anaheim. We had, uh, we had real strong attendance for a West Coast convention. Uh, and we had uh, strong majorities on a lot of the votes. Um, but, you know, even in, even in the midst of that, uh, I think um, uh, it, it's easy to walk away with strong majority consensus votes on, on matters and think to yourself, oh, wow, well, there's nothing to be done now for, you know, for the case of unity, we've achieved unity. Now, we've resolved some conflicts and we've answered some questions, um, but um, unity is not just about uh, answers to questions or resolving conflict. It's about, uh, it's about, building bridges and repairing relationships uh, in a way where the convention can move, can move forward. And um, not everybody's going to go along with that, but I think anytime that we don't stop and say, um, how can we find uh, ways to, to when, when reasonable people have reasonable concerns, how can we, uh, how can, how can we touch them? So, um, you know, I've had, I've had a couple of instances already just in the first couple of weeks to be able to communicate with churches that were at a point where they were contemplating leaving the convention and, um, you know, had some very productive conversations uh, with them um, that now they're at a point where they're saying, maybe we could stay. And um, so, you know, I think we, I think we face that challenge too, uh, in, in some ways, kind of like a Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural kind of challenge, uh, where uh, the convention has been through some factionalization and some partisanship that have, that have been damaging. Uh, and there's a, there's a need to appeal to the better angels of our nature. And, um, and so I think that's, a, that's an important challenge that we face too. Yeah. Now, real quick, you mentioned the uh, implementation task force, and uh, you know, for those who, of us who are in Anaheim, I think we, we have a pretty clear idea on what that is. But just explain, maybe for somebody who's who's maybe hearing that term for the first time or, or hasn't been really keeping up, just kind of the the Cliff's Notes version of what that task force is responsible for. 
I'm horrible at Cliff's notes, but I'll see I what I can do. To say, you're asking for a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we had a sexual abuse task force. I'm going to assume that people know that that existed. The actual task that that task force faced was in a one-year timeline to get an independent investigation and bring the findings of that investigation together with recommendations. Uh, the nature of the recommendations was such that it was more than the SBC could do in one year. Uh, some of the things that were recommended um, were things that to do them would take multiple years just because of they would require bylaw amendments or, or, or things like that. Uh, and also some of the recommendations were, you know, they were put together by a firm that's not, uh, that's not an SBC firm. It's not specific to, uh, to our family of churches. And so some of the recommendations you could look at and say, uh, in that form, this is probably not achievable within the SBC structure, but there is a form that that could happen in that would be achievable in the SBC structure. We saw the sexual abuse task force in the couple of weeks that they had tweak some of the recommendations just like that to make them just as helpful and, and strong, but uh, adapted to the nature of the SBC. Uh, but they didn't have much time to do that because the recommendations came out just days before the SBC annual meeting. So the task force was able to look at that and say, there needs to be time, a lot of time, to look at each of these recommendations carefully, figure out which ones work the best for the SBC, and figure out how they may need to be adapted to the way that the SBC works, not in order to weaken them, but in order to make them more likely to succeed uh, within the Southern Baptist Convention. And so that task force, uh, they were not authorized by the convention to continue past one year, to continue past the investigative portion of this. And they also did not sign on for more than a year. And so their authorization and their commitment expired when the final gavel fell in Anaheim. And they just said, but this job's not done. So we need the next president to put together a task force who will, who will take this uh, baton from us and will carry it forward. So, so other than the challenges that we face, we also have some Strengths. We've talked in, in previous weeks about the strategic planning, that a lot of what you're doing is going to look at some of the areas that need to be addressed. Also, how are we going to address them? Sometimes we can look at our strengths and so forth. Uh, what really is in Southern Baptist uh, favor right now? Uh, what are some of our greatest strengths as a convention, as a fellowship of churches? I think the strongest thing that we have in the Southern Baptist Convention is the shoulder tap of Craig Culbreth uh, on the uh, on the shoulders of people who are making nominations. Uh, that is a that is a strength that can silence a Baptist preacher who's getting long winded. And so that's that's a great mighty force. Um, so that was a joke. We need his hand tap right now. <laughs> <laughs> That would really help your podcast. It would. Uh, so, uh, no, I would say, uh, you know, the, the greatest strength that we have is just the fact that uh, I believe God's favor rests on us uh, in spite of all the things that we've done to mess up. Uh, I believe 
that's the only explanation for why um, our our convention remains together. I mean, we this convention started around the idea of defending slavery, and 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 we weren't alone in that. Presbyterians did that. Methodists did that. All sorts of other groups did that. Every other group that started in defense of slavery died off and got swallowed up into something else somewhere along the way. Uh, but the Southern Baptist Convention became about something other than that. And, you know, very quickly, uh, I think, uh, even while it was trying to work through and shed off that uh, that 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 original sin of the SBC and the corruption of that, even while that was going on, this convention uh, got real serious about reaching the nations uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, got real serious about reaching the heartland of America uh, by planting churches and 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 carrying the gospel to to places that that were not touched prior to that time. and um, and you know, God chose for God's own reason to take, this uh, flawed and fallible family of churches and say, you know what, uh, by golly, I can use them. Just, just watch and see what, what I can do with, with even them. And I believe God's still doing that today. Uh, uh, apart from that strength, we would be doomed. And with the hand of God working in our midst, uh, you know, we're, uh, we have hope. Uh, that's found in the in the glory of God. I see that showing up when, you know, I go go to Anaheim and go to a, a church there where I where I preached right before the convention annual meeting. And uh, you know, you look at that little church and it's in California. You know, they're they're surrounded by Californians, and um, yet they're they're they they've got like ten different people in that church that they're training as pastors. They're planting churches left and right in that area, really innovative with the things that they're doing. And, you know, when you see churches doing it, when you see God at work and churches like that, you just realize that God still has an intention to use us if we'll get out of the way. Uh, and then, you know, I think the if I had to identify a second uh, great strength that the Southern Baptist Convention has today, uh, I think it's I mean, you know, I'm kind of a polity wonk, and um, I, th I think just the fact that uh, the messengers can do what they've done over the past couple of years, uh, that, they, that they can feel the Spirit of God moving on them to, to change and root out some things that, are, uh, that they, they look at and say, this is unholy. And I think with the sex abuse thing they did, they looked at that and said, this is not the God we serve. We want, we want this, we want transparency and sunshine. We want this to go in the right direction. It's the same sort of thing that happened during the conservative resurgence when people looked and said, hey, listen, my kid's coming back from Baptist college and he's, he's been told that everything we told him in Sunday school was wrong. And uh, that's not right. We're going to go do something about that. And so you know, I think for a lot of families of churches, uh, if you get a few people committed to the wrong thing in very powerful positions, there's no way to turn it around. But for the Southern Baptist Convention, as long as the Spirit of God's moving upon those messengers, there's always hope uh, that, that things can be turned around and can go in the right direction.
Well, Bart, we have listeners. Maybe yeah. a couple of mega. Yeah. We we have a few listeners. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe, well, good. That's good. I'm proud for y'all. <laughs> maybe a couple of uh, big uh, mega churches, some bigger churches, medium sized churches, small churches, folks in the city, folks in the suburbs, folks in the, in rural areas, um, across the spectrum. We we have we have folks that listen to this, and and we we try to encourage them often. Um, and so as we begin to close. Now speaking pastor to pastor, so not necessarily as SBC president, but as a pastor, how would you encourage the pastors who are tuning in as we move through the summer, um, doing things like VBS and camp, and then um, get preparing for the fall as well? I spent way too much money and time getting this fancy degree, and um, I want to I want to take a minute to come to you as as Doctor Bart Barber. Uh, and and I, just, I want to tell you this that I think may be very encouraging to pastors from all over. Uh, I had the I had the the great privilege and honor to uh, take as one of my doctoral seminars while I was getting my PhD in church history, uh, the seminar History of Spiritual Awakenings with Roy Fish, and you know that was a, a year of uh, just interacting with that man and. And, uh, and being touched by him and his passion for evangelism. And in that class, History of Spiritual Awakenings, uh, it, was, it was a class about the history of spiritual awakenings. And, uh, and, and I loved that. And, and one of the things that I walked away from with that is that it is often the case that, uh, like an old Ricky Skaggs song says it, the darkest hour is just before dawn. And I've seen that pattern in our history over and over again, that spiritual awakening, when it comes, it, 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 it doesn't come, uh, um, it doesn't come in the post-millennial style. You know, it, it doesn't, you don't see gradual improvement of the, of the spiritual temperature of people that works its way up to, a time of revival. No, whatever you think about the eschaton, spiritual awakening comes in a full premillennialist style. It uh, uh, it seems to to break upon the landscape right at the time when it seems like the culture has just become so godless that um, that nobody would even stop to hear the gospel, and that's because Satan does not serve people well. And I think people are not served well in our culture right now by the uh, by just the, the wickedness that's growing in our midst. And so, Pastor, if you're discouraged because you look and say that wrong is winning and people are not receptive and the growth of the nuns and you're having trouble, uh, you know, uh, getting a hearing for the gospel, uh, I just want to invite you to, to, to pray and expect from the Lord for spiritual awakening, because I believe that, that darkness creates a hunger for light. And, uh, and I dare to think that the best days for our churches and the best days for our convention are ahead of us if we will seek the Lord and be patient and, and look for opportunity and take them. So I hope that's encouraging to, to your listeners, all four of them. <laughs> Well, Bart, thank you so much for for coming on, and uh, and I think you've given us some things uh, in in light of the challenges that we are facing that that you're going to help us face, and and some of the strengths that we have, uh, some of the uh, surprises that you've had as well. 
to, to maybe know uh, how we can pray for you. But just give us three prayer requests that we can be praying for you over the next few uh, days, weeks, months ahead. Sure, absolutely. Pray for me to be able to, to keep up with my correspondence, uh, which is a, a new level of activity for me. And I really do want to be accessible to Southern Baptist. So uh, pray that I'll be able to do that and do that well. It, it really is. Uh, the magnitude of that is, is substantial. Uh, and then the second thing that I would say is pray for my wife and my family and for my attention to, uh, to them because uh, there, there are new calendar pressures. Uh, there, are, there are new experiences for them. Um, uh, you know, they, um, Sarah just went to youth camp and people at the youth camp knew that her dad had been elected president of the SBC. And that, uh, that felt different for her in ways that she liked uh, and, and also in ways that just felt weird. And so, um, so anyway, pray, pray for my family uh, uh, for that. And uh, we're, we're, taking, uh, we're taking some vacation here in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, that's, that's going to be a good time for us because in the lead up to Anaheim, really, dad was preoccupied with stuff a lot of the time. And then I'd say the third thing uh, we've already talked about, but I just I want to mention it again. Um, pray that I pray that God leads me to the right people for this task force. Um, that's uh, I think one of the most important things that I'll do as president this year. And so uh, I just I, I'm counting on Southern Baptist to be crying out to God uh, to to guide me and help me make the right choices uh, in that regard. And the fourth is pray that Bart remembers to have lunch. Uh, that would be important. So, because <laughs> it's six o'clock, buddy, and it's time for dinner. Man cannot leave, live on peach milkshakes alone. So, I'm willing to find out whether that's true. I know you are. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't think I've ever had. I don't think I've ever. What had is wrong with you? So, so in so in honor of Bart Barber's presidency, I will I will go get a peach milkshake one of these days. So. And I, I vow that I will. I will today, tonight. <laughs> Don't they have them in Lubbock? We, we we have a couple of Chick Fil A's. Yes, we do. We we like the Lord's Chicken here. <laughs> well, go now. Go now and do it. <laughs> That's like, a decree from the president. If you would go get like a frap of some sort, I would I would get a peach milkshake, and then we could. We could celebrate together. <laughs> okay, so now now I really don't care whether you get one or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, send us out, Kyle. Hey, thanks for joining us, Bart. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. What's wrong with you people?